If you've been talking to somebody and there's a bowl of candy right there next to them, you might think to yourself, you know, I'm just going to have a piece. And then after a few moments, you realize you got another one and then a third piece and four pieces. Maybe you even have just kind of emptied the bowl as you had the conversation. That is how sin seems to work with us, especially secret sin. You think, oh, I can get away with this. Nobody cares. It doesn't affect anybody. But eventually, a little bit can consume your life. I'm John Fuller, joined by my focus colleagues, Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin. And we're going to hear now from Dave Samuel and his wife, Kirsten. They went through a very dark period in their marriage after it was revealed he was addicted to pornography. Here, uh, Dave talked to Jim Daly about how that addiction started. Let's pick it up right there. Uh, it was so good last time, so painful. You both had tears. I, I get it, and I so appreciate your willingness to share the story because people will be helped, and that's the bottom line. Um, Dave, I want to ask you, because we didn't really cover this territory last time, that addiction problem, where mm-hmm. did it start? What happened to you? Um, how old yeah. were you? And it's not an excuse at the same time, right? I mean, it happens, but it doesn't mean you have to choose to go that direction. Explain. It all started, I was exposed to pornography probably when I was five or six um, by a neighbor friend, you know, just one of those things where, hey, check, check out this magazine. I was youngest of three, brought up in a military family, so we moved around all the time. So you know, didn't have a lot of friends that had a lot of history. And so that fed my insecurity of being a boy that wasn't into sports, you know, didn't, wasn't the jock, didn't do all that stuff, was more attracted to arts and music, um, more of a sensitive temperament. And so didn't really feel like I fit in anywhere with the guy friends that I would have at school, you know, when when I would make friends finally after we changed, you know, military posts. And so that whole process, that, that pornography was my medication of choice. When I felt insecure, when I felt scared and frightened, which was a lot of the time, uh, you know, going to a new school for the first time, and it, it's hard. It was hard for me, but that was my medication of choice. Okay. Before the internet, it was more difficult to have access to any of that. So it was pretty much controlled with the exception of, you know, walking along the street and finding a magazine that somebody had tossed out the the car window or something like that. Um, But for the most part, it was controlled. So the first part of our marriage really, you know, had no access to it. It It was fine. The marriage was great. But Around the time where Internet started becoming into our homes, which would have been early 90s, early mid-90s, it really became a struggle because the access was there, the anonymity was there, the secrecy was there. It was all those things that fuel an addiction where yeah. I can get away with this. And so that just continued to snowball. You know, in that context, before we move back to the story, um, addiction versus saturation, I mean, the culture... Mm-hmm. is saturated right. in pornography to some degree. It scantily clothed people, mm-hmm. etc. It's almost celebrated now, mm-hmm. you know, a, a Super Bowl commercial right. and all the stuff we talk about. I mean, how do you not mm-hmm. look at some of that and turn away, but yeah. you're still being shown this almost mm-hmm. 
without any desire or anything. And you so can't I, turn away fast enough. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You're just exposed. I mean, I have two teen boys, mm-hmm. so that, you know, Gene and I are constantly talking right. about mm-hmm. that. And, you know, now it's inoculation. It, they're exposed to it. Now you got to say, okay, what would God want you mm-hmm. to think about mm-hmm. here? And But our, I guess the bottom line question right. is the culture is so saturated. Mm-hmm. How do you actually subdue that? Well, I think let's talk about it from a parent standpoint of, you know, you've got kids in the home that are being exposed to that. You've got to talk about it. You've got to say, okay, what did that make you feel? What did you see? Let's talk about that. What Be is, more what open did, yeah, is what I'm absolutely. hearing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when I would bring these things up to my parents, and, and I love my parents, and but no parent is perfect, right? The, the answer I would get would be, <laughs> the birds can fly over your head, but you don't need to let them make a nest in your hair. And I remember, and I remember, yeah, as Sorry, a, as a tw- ancient proverbs. Right. Yeah. I remember as a 12-year-old thinking, what does that mean? That's and, like that commercial where the woman's asking for financial advice of her father. Yeah. And he says something like that, and she's and, like, what? And I just remember thinking, okay, that's not the, that doesn't help, and so I'm not going to pursue these questions with my folks anymore. And so I didn't. And as I look back, you know, to... For someone to show a five or six year old pornography is abuse, mm-hmm. and I Terrible. know I know that now. You're right, Jim. It doesn't. It's not an excuse. Yeah, but because we, we do have a choice. Yeah, and I just wanted to make sure we get that out on mm-hmm. the table that that was the origin. It's the typical right. origins for boys. Mm-hmm. You know that we end up seeing things at eight, nine, ten years old, and it seems to be getting younger all the time. And then, you know, it it grabs you mm-hmm. for all those reasons. It becomes a coping mm-hmm. mechanism. Greg, when you're talking to somebody about um, living free from pornography, what are some of the first steps you encourage them to take? Yeah, John, I think the temptation is, well, I'll just get the right content blocker on my phone or tablet. You know, I'll, I'll get an accountability partner who asks me those tough questions. And I mean, those are important, but I think we have to dig deeper to really understand what's driving the pornography use. Um, we did a a podcast series called No Porn Marriage. And in there, it kind of shared some of my own story, the struggles that I had, you know, with pornography. And what was helpful was, again, not just doing the blockers and those kinds of things, but really understanding some key things. Number one is that using pornography, I was so sacrificing the intimacy between my wife and I, so between Aaron and myself. In other words, you know, when, when, when we engage in pornography, it's all that effort and energy that it takes to keep that secret. All that wasted energy means that I can't fully open my heart. I can't fully be known by Aaron because if, oh, if she knew that. So I have to constantly be trying to protect myself. And that's how we sacrifice intimacy. So, so one key is to think about the opportunity that you have to kind of shed all that energy and redirect it into your spouse. Right. Hmm. I think another thing that was important for me to understand is that the true purpose of sex was being twisted. Hmm. And, you know, when, when someone uses pornography, you, you don't have to please that other person. You're just watching that. There, there's no relationship there. You don't have to work in any way. Well, that's not a marriage. 
you know, in the marriage, there's two of us in, in between Aaron and I, you know, within our physical relationship, I mean, that, that requires work and effort and energy to cultivate our relationship, to deepen our connection and and intimacy, all that's required, but pornography, you don't have to do any of that. And it was important for me to really understand that. And, and I think at the end, it was important for me to really notice and pay attention. When was I using pornography? What was going on for me? Something drives that. What's the trigger? Yeah. yeah. Is there, is there, are you stressed out? Are you tired? Are you lonely? You know, what, what's going on? Is there a spiritual warfare part of that? Just, just to really get some clarity around that. As I've counseled and talked to, especially young men around this, that's often the place they really, really want to help them understand is when, why are you using that? The more we can understand that, then things like content blockers and accountability partners, that can all be a great part of that process. But if we don't understand the deeper motivations for why we're turning to pornography, we will never overcome that. Hmm. Well, I want to reiterate that the podcast, Greg, mentioned earlier is called No Porn Marriage. It's got more tips, like you just heard, more keys to kind of getting into the deeper reasons why you might be using porn. Um, And then please know that we have caring Christian counselors here that would be happy to help you kind of bring this matter into the light and figure out kind of what are some healthy next steps. And of course, uh, the book that Kirsten Samuel wrote, Choosing a Way Out. That is a terrific resource about how God restored their relationship after a very dark period. Uh, We're making that book, Choosing a Way Out, available to you when you make a donation of any amount to the ministry of Focus on the Family. So please donate today as you can. Next time, we'll hear from Deborah Faleta. She's a counselor sharing about what to do when you go through kind of a cold season in your relationship. For now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. Mm